Hey, welcome to Parkview. We're glad to have you here. Um, I just want to say welcome to our uh, Homer Glen campus. Welcome to New Lenox campus. Welcome that you, th those of you who are watching online. Um, I was with the leaders of the largest churches in, in America this week at a Dave Ramsey thing down in Nashville. And the one thing that we all have in common is that the place where we're growing, the place where we're able to reach more and more people and make more disciples for Jesus is through the campus model. I mean, every one of the churches that's reaching more and more people, they're not doing it through building a bigger building. They're doing it through other campuses. So welcome to you at our other campuses. Welcome to you at this Orland Park campus, all of you. Um, the way this works is, I mean, Life Church, where we got this sermon series, has 27 campuses. They run 75,000 people a weekend. They're reaching, making disciples, and, and that's the model going forward. So I just want to tell you, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, let me tell you a story, okay? Kind of a fairy tale. Once upon a time, <clears throat> in a land far, far away called Bolivia, uh, my daughter Lauren, middle daughter, spent a semester abroad at Wheaton College working with a safe house for sex trafficked girls. Um, she's doing a psych degree and, and really has a heart for that, like we do as a church. And uh, so she, while she was there, she stayed with this wonderful Christian family named the Grace. And you're like, oh, that doesn't sound very Bolivian to me. No, it wasn't a Bolivian. Uh, kind of halfway. Tom Gray was an American who went to Bolivia to do ministry and fell in love with a Bolivian woman named Sonia Vargas. Sonia. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. And they married and had several children. And one of them, named Abby, developed a gluten allergy. You may not know this, but full-blooded Latin American people don't get gluten allergies. As a matter of fact, only white people get gluten allergies. This is a fact. Okay, you can ask the white supremacists about that one. Um, I, don't, I don't know where it broke down. So unfortunately for Abby, it was very difficult for her to try to live, with, live her life with a severe gluten allergy in a country that didn't understand it and had no provision for it. She couldn't get gluten-free anything there, and, and she was just sick all the time. So my daughter Lauren said, Abby, why don't you just come home with me to America? My dad will fix it. Hashtag my dad fixes stuff. I mean, literally, he's like, he'll find you a place to live and a job. Just come on back with me. So when most people bring back a nativity set or an alpaca jacket from South America, my daughter brought home Abby, okay? Abby was 20 at the time, and she, uh, she wanted to continue to study dance, and uh, there's an amazing ballet studio, dance studio, kind of connected to our church called Ballet 5-8, and it's awesome, and, uh, and we, we, she got involved in that, and she got a, friend, a job with my friend Dean DeAngelis in Allstate down, at, uh, down in New Lenox, and I just kind of put the word out, you know, hey, this girl's coming, she needs a place to live eventually, you know, and a place to work and all this kind of stuff. And our friends, the gardeners, uh, really good friends, Chip and Robin, their daughter was Abby's age, basically, and their sons, triplet sons, had all started college. And so, like, they were going to be gone, they thought their daughter could, you know, use somebody around the house, so they said, have Abby come and live with us for a little while. And she did. In a little while, and a little while turned into a little while longer. So really a couple of years, she lived with them. And she got healthy. She got out on her own. She's doing well, had her own life going. And you fast forward about three years, Abby has become our adopted Bolivian daughter and made lots of new friends and also stayed close to the gardeners. And one day, uh, one of those gardener boys decided he'd like to keep Abby around the house forever. And they are getting married this afternoon, okay? Isn't that awesome? 
Oh, all God's people said, oh, yeah, it's awesome. It really is fairy tale kind of stuff, isn't it? I mean, there should be a Disney movie. Big song could be about wheat. You know, let it go. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be a tremendous celebration today of the providence of God. All our family is in town. My girls are the bridesmaids. My grandkids are flower girl and ring bear. So you're going to see a lot of pictures. And the uh, wedding is Sunday afternoon. And of course, the gardeners are here, you know, with their large and loud crew. I mean, true story. Grandma uh, was on oxygen. The last minute they realized that she couldn't fly here from Pennsylvania. So they rented an RV and drove grandma from Pennsylvania to be here for the wedding. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a vacation movie waiting to happen, isn't it? I know. Uh, that's Robin's, Robin's mind. It's just going to be so much fun. And um, the Bolivians are here, and only a few of them hablo inglés. So, I mean, this is crazy, crazy, crazy. And, and you look at this story, and you go, wow, God really worked that out. That's really insane, which is absolutely true. But was this exactly what he wanted? Let's just, let's just process this for a second because there's a big difference between exactly what God wanted and he worked it out, okay? If that's your theology, then how did that work? Did God give Abby a gluten allergy when her three siblings never got it? I mean, does God do that? Did God make the gardeners have a daughter just a few years after they had triplet boys? Did God send my daughter Lauren to Bolivia so she could stay with the Gray family? And, and, and even forget about going backwards. What about going forwards? Marriage is hard. I don't know if you know this or not, um, but are Ian and Abby making the right decision? It's a rhetorical question, okay? Do not even give a hint of a negative answer if you're sitting by your spouse. Just say, yes, yes, marriage, woo! Thank you, thank you. See, that, that's what I mean. So are they making that decision? Does that make sense, really? I mean, because when I tell it the way that I told it, it sounds like divine direction. But what if Abby would have never come? What if she would have just come for a little while and gone back again? What if she had stayed with us or someone else and not the gardeners? I mean, what if Ian wasn't smart enough to make his move? I mean, would they be outside of God's will? And that's the problem with the God as puppet master kind of theology. If God's just directing every little thing, then it gets complicated and you have to answer a lot of questions. And what about all that bad stuff that ends up happening? We're in a series by uh, Craig Groeschel from Life Church called Divine Direction. And one of the most commonly questions he says we get asked, and it's true as pastors, is how do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know the right direction to go? How do I make this happen? And a key line from the book is this. The decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. Decisions we make today determine the stories we tell. In other words, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. But we have to figure out as believers, where does God fit into this? And that may not be where you're at today, but, but you obviously know that we believe as believers in God and Jesus that, that he's directing us. Now, how does it work? And the problem is that it's more difficult to make decisions now than ever before. It's especially true for the emerging generations that are coming up now, for my kids' generation and the ones that are coming up now. And it's harder to make decisions for two reasons. Number one, there's more choices. I was on an international flight one time, and the attendant came and said, uh, we're getting ready to serve dinner. Would you, would you like dinner? And I said, what are my choices? She said, yes or no. 
I mean, that, that, that's pretty much the way it always is with airline food. But yeah, I mean, that's easy, right? Now that's not the case. We can travel to places we never used to be able to afford to travel. And we can see things that we never could see before. And we can, we can not just go to a couple of restaurants. We can get out on an app on our phone and have food delivered from any number of places right to our house. Two words, Amazon Prime, right? That's choices. That's Greek for many choices, Amazon Prime. So we have all of these, all of these things that are coming at us, and, and it, it's harder for us when we have more choices. Second reason, and this is even more fascinating to me, is what psychologists call the illusion of perfection. The illusion of perfection, which comes from social media, right? You, you understand the illusion of perfection. You only see what people want you to see, right? So we're seeing other people's highlight reels while we realize what our behind the scenes looks like and we're living with this weird illusion of, 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 of this perfect life, this perfection that is out there. And I don't know if you know this or not, but most people don't tell you the real story on social media. That's why we call it fake book, right? That's what it is, okay? I posted, yeah, I, I'm not a fan either. I posted some pics this week with some famous people that I was with this week down in Nashville. Some people who were hugely influential on my life and my faith. The problem is, if I post a picture of a famous person that I get to be around, like my wife with Amy Grant this week for crying out loud, you don't know if we actually know those people or if they just happen to be nice people who were in the same place we were and I stalked them and bugged them until they took a picture, which was the case in every picture I posted this week. <laughs> Or you see something on Pinterest and it looks so impressive. You don't, ha you don't have any idea how long it took them to get to the point where they could get a picture of what is so awesome. Let me demonstrate. Pinterest fails. Okay? Melted crayon art. Uh, yeah, nailed it. Right? How about, how about this one? Chocolate-covered kiwi popsicle. I mean, in the first place, that's a horrible idea, but that's what it looked like. It's not so great, right? How about the shark cupcakes? Looks good on the left, not so great on the right. Waffle iron cookies, that's great if you can get them out, <laughs> you know. Uh, the train cake, I love this. Betty Crocker's looks great. This guy's not so much. I got I to gotta throw the picture up, though. My son-in-law made a tractor cake for my Charlie's third birthday. He's pretty excited. Way to go, Ash. Proud of you, baby. Little donuts as the wheels. I mean, it, it was sugar all the way, right? How about Cookie Monster Cupcakes? Yep, seemed like a good idea. Not so great. But this is my favorite, the Tower of Kids picture. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so, okay, take, let me take you back to Ian and Abby now, okay? So are Ian and Abby soulmates? Is there a soulmate for you? I mean, with all this crazy way this happened for this wedding this afternoon, are they soulmates? No, they're not soulmates. I tell you this, you are not a soulmate until you've held somebody's hair back while they're throwing up. Am I right? I mean, then that's just the beginning. That's just a rule, and that's just the beginning. Are Tim and Denise soulmates after 33 years of marriage? Absolutely. You know why? Because we chose to be. Not because it was the perfect will of God. I mean, this whole idea of serendipity, you know, the, this one person I'm supposed to be with, is mathematically ridiculous. Because if, one per, if you have one soulmate and one person marries the wrong person, it screws up the whole system all the way down. Some of you are like, yeah, it was me. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
You're living with the illusion of perfection and a very wrong premise. We have choices. So with all of these choices that we have and the illusion of perfection, how do you make a decision? What do we do? How do we know what to do? Let me show you this from scripture. It's hilarious. Okay, if you're going to think that anybody is going to be given the direct will of God in every step of his life, it would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, after Jesus is gone, anybody past that, you would think it would be the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He, 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 he was the one who went and did evangelism for all of us Gentiles. He's the one that, that went and shared the gospel with all of us, went on all these missionary journeys. I mean, he wrote almost all the New Testament. It's crazy. Here's the Apostle Paul. Okay, guys in Corinth, perhaps I'll stay with you for a while. I might even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you and just make a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I'm going to stay here in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work is open to me. Does that sound like he knows what he's doing? Does that sound like God is directing his every little step? I love the honesty. Well, I hope to come and visit. I'm not sure. I'm going to stay here because it's going surprisingly well. And, you know, maybe things will work out. He didn't understand the details, but he served God in a very effective manner. As a matter of fact, the only time that we know, the only time I can think of that the Apostle Paul actually knew he was directly in the middle of the will of God for his life was when God slammed the door shut on him one time when he thought he was going to go somewhere. So if you feel a little bit like the Apostle Paul today and you're like, Man, I, I just don't know if God has a direct thing, you know. Should it, should it be burritos this afternoon or should it be pizza? I'm going to tell you, God has given you freedom of choice. So you just got to make some of them. How do you know you're going to make mostly choices that God would be happy with and get his divine direction? Pastor Todd talked about this last week. We get the why before the what. Right? When you have the right why, you're going to get the right what. I love that. That's so important. Why is it that I want to do this? Okay? And then you get the who before the do. If you're not the right who, God will, is not going to be able to lead you into the right do as easily. And we'll talk about that a little bit more today. God says, I'm not going to give you all the little details, but you are the who before the do, then you're going to figure it out. So let's talk about actually making some decisions today. All right? Let me take you back to the wisest man. The Bible says the wisest man who ever lived. You can argue with the Bible if you want to, but the wisest man who ever lived was Solomon. And Solomon was the son of King David. And when he comes into the kingdom, God says, okay, you're getting ready to be king. What do you want? Okay. And here's, what, here's how that happened. When you become the king, you're required to make a, an offering, okay, a sacrifice. And Solomon, instead of making the traditional sacrifice, gave 1,000 times more to God in this sacrifice, in this offering, than he was required to. He was just kind of saying, look, man, I'm, I'm all in here. Extravagant act of worship. And because of that, God said, ask me whatever you want, I'll give you whatever you want. And here's something you need to remember. A generous heart of man always moves the generous heart of God. We see it over and over in scripture. So Solomon's like, okay, I'm in, I, I, I'm going to be king. I'm going to, I'm all in. Here's a thousand times more than you asked for. And God says, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll give you riches. I'll give you power. I'll destroy your enemies. I'll do whatever. And Solomon says, look, God, I'm a little freaked out about this whole thing of running this, the, the nation, you know, your children of Israel. I'm, I, I just want wisdom. I just want wisdom to make the right decisions and to honor you. 
And God was like, man, you are two for two. Way to go. Because you asked for the right thing, because you, you're generous and you asked for the right thing, I'm going to give you riches and power. And he became the richest man in the world, the most powerful man in the world also. But it only happened because he asked for wisdom. That's what's so important. And here's what he said. Getting wisdom, this is Solomon, is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. So it seems like there's some things that we should be able to do to make all these things happen for us and to be wise. Those of you who've lived long enough, you're going to agree with me when I say, man, I wish I knew back then what I know now, right? And what is that? That's wisdom. Solomon said, that's, that's wisdom. And it's not just about living a long time and making a bunch of mistakes. There are ways to develop good judgment. There are ways to get wisdom. So I'm going to give you three very easy things today to help you with the idea of what it'll look like to develop good judgment, to get wisdom from God. You ready? Number one, we're going to walk with the wise. Solomon said, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. When you walk with the wise, you become wise, okay? Wise, wise, fools, harm, okay? When, when it's just really, really simple. Who do you have in your posse? That's what we want to know. Are they wise or are they a bunch of fools, a bunch of losers? Groeschel said, uh, here's, an ex- here's an example. I met this guy out in public. He said, hey, man, I've been coming to Life Church. I found Jesus. I- I'm really excited about it, but-, but I'm struggling right now. I'm trying to get off drugs, and I'm struggling. And he said, we started talking for a little bit, and-, and-, and, you know, he started sharing some things with me, and it became really obvious what was going on. So I, said, I stopped him. I said, so out of all of your closest friends, how many of them are faithfully following God and not doing drugs? And he said, none of them. They're all on drugs, they're all wild and crazy. And I said, ding, 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 here's your problem. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's almost impossible to live life the right way when you're surrounded by the wrong people. Let that sink in and then I'll say it another way. Your mom was right. (laughs) Way to go, mom. Your mom was right. My mom is here this weekend. Mom, you are right. You know, I mean, you are not right about waiting an hour to go swimming after I ate. You are not right about being cold outside was going to give me a cold. There was a lot of other things. But on this one, mom, you are absolutely right. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Walk with the wise, become wise. Walk with the fools, you become fools. And the imagery here is really important. It's not go talk to the wise, not, not, not go get a counseling appointment, which is hugely important. Also, it's about walking together. It's about doing life together. Here it comes. Oh, yeah, here it comes. This is why we talk all the time around here about why you need to be in a small group. You need to be in a life group connected to people that you can walk together with because we need strong believers in our lives. Great that you come to church for an hour on a weekend. Great if you're doing chair time in the day, maybe the beginning of the day, and reading a little bit of God's Word and praying and spending some time. But in an environment that is the environment that we live in with this world and with this sin that's around us, we need walking partners who are walking in the right direction. 
This is why we're passionate about you being connected to a small group of believers, not just sitting, staring at the back of heads, but passionate about getting together. Student ministry, children's ministry, all the way down, getting together. And parents, let me just say this. If your kids are not involved in high school ministry, junior high ministry, why is that? Are they really going to become professional soccer players someday? And hey, man, maybe the soccer kids are awesome, but are they following Jesus? I mean, does all this other stuff that you've got your kids doing put them in the category of walking with the wise? How are you going to accomplish that for them? Because that's your job. Now, listen, I'm not saying we're going to be Amish. I mean, you know how I feel about witness. I wrote a book called Life on Mission because I believe too many Christians in too many churches are way too exclusive and they don't interact with anybody outside of their little circles. But walking with the wise is not, it's not against being on mission or about witness. It's about balance. It's really pretty simple math. If you have more people around you dragging you down than lifting you up, which way do you think you're going to go? It's that simple. I'm only here doing what I'm doing, serving God this way, because I constantly am surrounded by people who are wise, and I forcefully put them into my life. And you're going to feel the same way. You see, any person with any area of success, I promise you, they walk with the wise. Number two, you're going to ask for wisdom. There's a promise and a prayer that, that, that God makes to us. James, Jesus' brother, said, if any of you lacks wisdom, what should he do? You should ask God. Ask God. It's that simple. He gives generously to all without finding fault. It'll be given to you. You're like, oh, I, I haven't been following God very long, or I, I'm not sure I'm following God at all. He's not going to find fault. Well, it hadn't been a good week. He's not going to find fault. Generously, he gives wisdom. What is this? How come he just doesn't give wisdom to us already? Let me explain it this way. I would say that for the most part, my wife and I are pretty low-maintenance parents and parents-in-law to our adult children now. Okay? I mean, we, we don't butt in too much. We don't tell them how to raise our grandkids or where to live, obviously, because they don't live here. Um, and I bring it up every sermon, so hopefully they're listening. But I don't bug them too much about that or what to do if they, unless, unless we're asked. And I know some of you are like, oh, man, yeah, I wish I had. Can you adopt me, PT? I mean, I wish, I wish my parents or my in-laws were like that. And I'm pro we're probably worse than I think. But we really try not to butt in and give too much advice. But the moment one of my children comes to me or Denise and says, what do you think about this? I will freely share every bit of wisdom that I possibly can give them and then some. And I'll look some up on the internet, okay? I really think that God is a low-maintenance parent. I really believe that. When you ask God, he's willing to share his wisdom with you. But here's the deal. The other problem is, in order to, 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 to hear from him, you've got to spend some time with him. Where can you get wisdom? I believe you can get wisdom from his word every day. I believe you can get his wisdom from other believers as well in a small group. I believe that you get God's wisdom by shutting off all the other noise and having some time to actually hear the voice of the Spirit. But what I'm saying is walk with the wise also means walk with the wise, Okay. I mean, there, you need to be able to hear him. He's the good shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If you don't know his voice, you're not going to be able to hear it. 
He, he, he knows us, and he wants to guide us. This is back to lead us not into temptation. It's, it wasn't about God, God, Jesus, the shepherd, taking us the wrong direction. It's about us not hearing him, and that only happens when we spend time with him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This is about the Lord. He will always lead you along the right pathway. It will, he will even make your paths straight. He'll even bulldoze them out of the way for you. You just, just got to ask. You just got to hang out. And number three, just decide. Just decide. God's given you a choice. Make a decision. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, but a very close second was Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. You know that, right? One of his famous lines was, Danielson, walk on right side, safe. Walk on left side, safe. Walk in middle, sooner or later get squished like a grape. Think about it. Go this way if you want. Walk on this side. Walk on this side if you want. But if you're wishy-washy walking down the middle, you're going to get squished. I mean, it's really good advice. And I want to say to you, especially my younger gang listening to me, don't be so afraid of making mistakes. The biggest mistake you can probably make is to be walking down the middle and get squished like a grape. You have a decision to make? How do I know? How do I know if it's from God or the devil? Okay, let's start here. Don't forget, whenever God's word speaks, we follow. Really? A lot of the stuff would be pretty easy if we were walking with God and walking with the wise. Because if God's word says, don't do this, don't do it. Because it's not going to go well for you. If God's word says, do this, then do it, and it's going to go better for you. Okay? But, but again, we talked about this with lead us not into temptation. It, it's, it's about following God to the right place, right? So, so to follow him, that, that part's easy. But what about the stuff that God's word is not going to tell you? Like what job to have, who to marry, where to live, how many kids to have. Decisions where there's not clear moral scriptural direction, what does God do? He gives you freedom of choice. He gives us free will. It started in the garden. There's a tree there, he said. I, I want Adam and Eve, I want you to not eat it. Why, why did he do that? So that there could be a love relationship. If there's no choice to follow him, then we're robots. And he could program us to do whatever we wanted. But he did not do that. We have to choose him. But once we choose him, there are still other choices that we're going to have to make. Listen to me. You do not have one soulmate. You can decide to make your wife or your husband into a soulmate, but there is no right or wrong person. If that was true, I'm screwed because I'm the wrong person. And so are you, by the way. Turn to your significant other and say, you've got the wrong one, baby. <laughs> Doesn't that take a lot of pressure off, right? Well, what, what about all these decisions that we have to make? Do you want to move to another state? You don't need God's help for that one. Of course you do. All right, do you want to be a Democrat or Republican? Cubs, Sox, Bears, Packers, taste great, less filling. It doesn't matter. Just make a decision, okay? Make a decision based on, on, on why before what and who before do. Walk with the wise. Ask for some wisdom and make a decision. Listen to the Apostle Paul again. So when we could stand it no longer... We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, okay? We thought about it. We considered it. We thought it was best. We just did it. There's nothing in there about God, God making any decisions. There are times when you just sometimes have to make a decision. 
One time they thought, God, Paul thought, we're going to go to Asia, and that didn't work. And so then we tried to go to Bithynia, and that didn't work, and we ended up in Troas. And as soon as I got to Troas, I had a vision that I was supposed to go to Macedonia. And you, you read this guy, and you're like, does God tell you anything? I mean, how, how does this work? And that's what I love about it, because sometimes my life feels the same way. Just go, because here's the deal. It's a lot easier for God to change your direction where you're going than it is to pull your backside up out of the bark lounger, okay? If you're just sitting there, it's a lot harder. When you're going, God can direct you along the right path. I'm going to tell you right now, there have been a lot of times uh, when I haven't known the right decision to make. I haven't known that God wanted me to do some stuff. There have been a very few times that I actually knew that God was like, this is exactly what I want you to do. One of those times was when it was to come to this church 28 years ago. I was trying to figure it out. It's probably like 28 years ago this weekend. We came to visit the Tinley Park Church of Christ over on 84th Avenue, 150 people. And we went back to our room that night, our motel room. And my wife and I both just broke down crying because we knew the call of God was to come. We had no idea what was going to happen, but we knew the call of God was to come. And we didn't want to leave St. Louis. We didn't want to leave our friends and our family and move farther away. And she was pregnant with Lauren at the time. And, and there was just a lot of stuff. But man, I mean, on this side and on that side, it was absolutely, I know that was the call of God. But there haven't been very many of those happen. And you know what? I doubt if I'm going to have the call of God when it's time to be done. Because you know, when I get old, long time from now, and I decide to retire, I doubt if I wake up one morning and go, oh, I think it's time. So, so you just need to know we got an emergency plan if I get hit by a bus. And at some point, we're going to sit around with the elders and we're going to go, okay, let's, let's figure out how this is all going to look someday. Because I really think it's going to be up to the elders and up to me sometime to, to make that decision. I don't think anything like is going to come out of the sky and say, okay, you're done now. You're too old. You're, you, you know, people are tired of your 80s movies illustrations. It's over. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe it will. Maybe that'll be your email. I don't know. But maybe it's, it's probably not going to. What I think is going to happen is God's going to guide us and shepherd us, and we're going to follow him. Is, is Abby and Ian's wedding a union that was directed by God? It's undeniable. You guys, it's crazy. But it only happened because they were walking with the wise, and they asked God's direction, and they made a decision. And there will be days when they will wake up and say, why, God, Why? And God will say, I love you, I will help you, and someday when you are old, you will look into the faces of your grandchildren and you will be so glad you made this decision. So get to know Jesus, learn his voice, walk with him, walk with the wise, surround yourself with people who are pleasing Jesus and walk with them. Ask God for wisdom, walk with him, and then act, make a decision. Here's another fun story. I got two for one weekend. Zach and Tina. Um, Zach and Tina and Henry. So Tina, my, my daughter Lauren um, that I mentioned that brought home Abby from Bolivia ended up marrying Tommy. And 
Tina is Tommy's sister, so it's my daughter's sister-in-law, and the Carreras family is very close with us, and if you recognize the picture, you, you, you will remember that they were one of the two couples that we interviewed for Mother's Day last year, if you were here and part of that. We talked about disappointment with God and when God doesn't answer your prayer. And we had Richie and Debbie talking about the fact that, that you know, they had tried for a decade and a half to get pregnant. And all of a sudden, God made things happen and they were able to have little Daisy. I was hanging out and playing with little Daisy last night and she's adorable. Unbelievable story. But 15, 16 years of disappointment before. And then we had Tina and Zach in the story. And they wanted to have kids biologically and they couldn't do it and they couldn't do it. So they decided to go into the adoption process. So what did they do? Oh, they, they asked uh, who before do. They asked why before what. They, they check, got all that. Walk with the wise, check. Ask other people, yeah, check. Ask God, yeah. And then make a decision. Decide to adopt. And then you make a decision. I don't know if you know the process, but it's, why is it so complicated? Why is it so expensive? Why, why is it taking so long? And then along came Henry. And they adopted him, and it was amazing. We made this video for Mother's Day talking about the pain of infertility and all of those kinds of things. And so during that video, we talked about the fact that they're there again, and they're getting ready to uh, adopt another one. And, and, you know, again, they walk with a wise, they ask God's direction, and they made a decision, we're going to adopt again. And it's the same, same journey. Why does it take so long and have to go through the process and raise the money and more and more questions? And then... She woke up one day and realized that something that was supposed to be happening in her infertile body wasn't happening on the monthly basis. It was supposed to be happening and went and took a pregnancy test and they are biologically going to have another child now. Isn't that awesome? It's such a great story. It brings tears to my eyes. So there'll be, you know, another, another little one rolling around and you go, okay, so should they not have adopted Henry and just waited? No, of course not. God loves adoption. We love adoption. Adopt all you want. Should they adopt more? I don't know. They'll figure it out. Will they have more biologically? They'll figure it out, okay? Like most of us, they will be good parents who will make mistakes, but they will trust in the Lord with all of their hearts and lean not on their own understanding and in all their ways acknowledge him. And the promise is he will make their path straight. And he will for you too. Let's pray. Lord, I, had, I have two good stories to share this week from my own life and people that are, that are close to me. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago I was sharing tough stories that were going on in my life. And we're still dealing with some of those as well. And I know there are people listening to me right now who are like, okay, well... God hasn't opened my womb like he did for Tina and he did for Debbie, even though it was 16 years later. That, didn't, that hasn't happened yet. Will that happen? I don't know. And, and I, can't, I can't answer those questions. There are people that um, think about the, the wedding that's going on today and think, yeah, that did, didn't turn out so well for me. Or why can't I find my Ian or my Abby? Why, why is it taking so long? And Lord, there's so many questions that we have for you. But what we are going to understand is that you are our Father in heaven, and we're going to follow you. You're our good shepherd. We're going to follow you. We're going to walk with the wise. We're going to follow you and ask. And as we make decisions, we're going to trust that you're going to guide us. And we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to choose incorrectly. We may be wandering around like the Apostle Paul sometimes, and it may feel like that in our lives. But we know that your hand is upon us. And we trust you. That's all we can give you today, Lord. 
Thank you that it's enough. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.